You're listening to the University of South Carolina Last Lecture Series, hosted by Scholars United and National Fellowships and Scholar Programs. My name is Scotty Green, Student Coordinator for the Last Lecture Series. If you've never tuned in before, a last lecture is, as the name implies, where we ask a faculty member to give a lecture as if it's their last. Today you're going to hear from Dr. Claudia Benitez Nelson from the College of Arts and Sciences. She's a distinguished professor in the Marine Science Department and Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences. She is also the inaugural winner of the Oceanography Society's Mentoring Award. This lecture was recorded live, so expect a little bit of background noise. We hope you enjoy. Here's When I Grow Up, I Want to Be a... Dot, 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 from Dr. Claudia Benitez Nelson. about should I talk about science should I talk about life and so I'm gonna talk a little bit about all right and well and I'm gonna stand right in front of you guys the whole time we're talking so I'll I'll, uh, I'll try and stand back all right so um so the alternative title to this talk is you know when I grow up I want to be or better yet how do you follow your dream right how do you figure out where it is that you want to go and more importantly be happy going about it. And so as my last lecture, this is my advice to you, right? Is how do you follow your dream? How do you get there? So the way this talk is going to work um, is it's going to be in three parts. And the first part, I'll tell you a little bit about my life, life and times. Uh, and the reason why is because I really love my job. I think I have the best job in the world, although some of you may, may tell me I don't at times, <laughs> depending on how well you've done after it. Uh, part two, I'm going to talk about dreams, and there's some diff there are very different levels of dreams, and I'll give you an example of one of my students and what they did. And then part three is to give you some advice, and I hope that'll be a little bit more interactive. I hope not to take this full hour so we can, you know, have a conversation, talk about some things. So, I want to grow up to be a marine scientist. Those of you who don't know me, that's exactly uh, what I am. And I'll tell you probably not so little known secret right now. When I was at the university, I actually had no idea that marine science was a career. And I had no, you know, no desire, <laughs> frankly, to be a marine scientist. None whatsoever. Uh, in fact, when I was uh, learning about marine science, I thought that you know, that's what marine scientists does, is they study what? Whales and dolphins, right? So this was my idea of what it was, and I thought, oh, that's really nice, but mm, not really for me. I don't really, again, some of you who know me know that I don't really like biology. You know, they grow, they change, they make their decisions, you know, I'm just not about that. Um, so I actually came to marine science very late, okay? It wasn't something that I had planned on doing. Uh, so how did I become a marine scientist? And how did it start? Well... Just uh, for some of you, I grew up in Seattle, Washington. I uh, was a Garfield Bulldog, right? One of the few people who really actually grew up in Seattle and went to high school and college there. Uh, I have three brothers and a sister. Oh, actually, everyone is still back in Seattle, pretty much but me. And um, I did what every good Garfield Bulldog does when you grow up in Seattle. And I went to University of Washington and became a Husky. 
So I went to the University of Washington. It's where I got a bachelor's of science. It turns out in oceanography and in chemistry. Maybe I should have left the dates off there, but <clears throat> it was a while ago. And um, I'll be honest, when I was in college, what I wanted to be was a professional soccer player. Okay, I was playing soccer at the University of Washington. Life was great. I was getting a degree in chemistry, frankly, because I was good at it. Believe it or not, I could not write a sentence to save my life, but I could do chemistry. And so I was taking a bunch of chemistry courses. And on a lark, I took a marine science class. For whatever reason, it was an opening in my schedule. I needed to carry my 15 credit hours because I was in season and there was NCAA rules. And I took this marine science class and I really loved it. I really loved it. It completely changed my idea that, you know, oh, wow, there's all these things that you can do as a marine scientist that, frankly, I didn't know. And the professor, uh, being the good guy that he was, took me aside after class one day and he said, you know, you could do chemistry in the oceans. Really? And, and that's, that's all that's all she wrote, right? I was, I, was, I was done. And after that, I was a junior at this point at the University of Washington. I started taking all these marine science courses. Uh, and, and had a wonderful time. So that's how I got my degree. I was already well on my way for chemistry, so I got my chemistry degree, and that's how I got my degree in oceanography and really started on my path for being marine scientist. From there, I went and got my PhD in oceanography at the Woods Hole um, Oceanographic Institution. Um, I like to call it, uh, we call it Hui. It's located in the armpit of the Cape. If anyone's been to Cape Cod, that's where it is. Um, but I didn't go there directly. I actually took about a year off, and I'll be honest with you, I was a bum. Took a year off, and I was a bum. I took all the money that I had saved because I was living at home and playing soccer, and uh, went to Europe, and I just traveled around. And I went wherever, it, you know, I wanted to go that day. I'd wake up, and I'd go, I'm a little cold. And I would go from um, Innsbruck, and I ended up going to Italy because I was too cold in May. You know, that kind of movement. And I did that for a year, so it was very exciting. But eventually, you know, I decided I need to come back and actually get a real job because my parents were tired of me. Their biggest fear was that I would come home and stay. Uh, so that's when I got a PhD in oceanography. And um, along the way, I met my husband. We got married. So you can see there's our beautiful picture. Um, from there, I went to um, the University of Hawaii. I was an associate researcher there. Uh, where I did my postdoctoral fellowship. That's where I had my son, Noah. And after I went there, I ended up at the University of South Carolina. And the reason why I ended up at the University of South Carolina is because, frankly, when it was time for me to get a real job, and I was looking for professorship positions, all the jobs open were in the South. And the place that wanted me the most was the University of South Carolina. And so that's where I went, the place that wanted me the most. That was the best piece of advice my mother ever gave me. Go to the place that wants you. And I did. And so here I've been ever since. I've been here since about 2002. I had my second child because you know they are together. They're so cute there. Mm, they look cute in pictures. <laughs> cute in pictures. Um, now I'm a full professor and director of the Science Center. So that's kind of my life, okay? That's how I've gotten to where I wanted to be. And one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed about my job is that I get to travel. I do. I get to travel the world. And because I'm a researcher, I get to pick the areas 
research in and where I'd like to go travel. So I managed to go through all the world. I get to go out to sea on a bunch of different size vessels. I personally do not like cold weather. So I actually just went up to Alaska. Does anyone know, watch World's Deadliest Catch? Right? Dutch Harbor, Alaska. I got to go to Dutch Harbor, Alaska. Let me tell you, that's quite a place. And, uh, and, I put my, and I put my graduate student on a boat for 37 days to the Arctic and her baby died. She went on the Coast Guard cutter and then I came back uh, to South Carolina. Um, so, you know, that's the beauty of my job. I really, really enjoy it. Okay, I get to go everywhere. Um, the other thing I get to do is I get to work with lots of very, very different people across all sorts of institutions. So I have worked with people from Spain, from France, Germany, China. I'm actually going to go to China in December because I have some colleagues over there. I've worked with a number of people throughout uh, the United States. Here's just a few. I've got to lead really large oceanographic expeditions to do research. It's nothing like going out to sea. Being, being in charge of a big boat like this, everyone is under your thumb, you know, you're the, you're the big man on campus, and be able to say, we're going to do research on this and have 20 people do research on this. <laughs> Everything that I want to do. It's actually, I love it. You know, it's like a big power trip, but I, I, we really have a good time. Um, the other thing that I really love about my job, besides being bossy, is I actually now I get to interact with a number of students and graduate students just like you. And I get to impart to you the love of oceanography and marine science that I have. And that to me is very important because I very much understand that I would never ever have gone into marine science if I hadn't taken a class on a LARP and had a professor come up to me and say, hey, hey, come here, come here. You know, have you ever thought? This might be something you might want to do. Just think about it. Just think about it. No pressure, but you might actually like it. Seem, seem like you're really enjoying the class. And, uh, and so that's what, you know, I, I really enjoy about, about being here. So, and here are all my students, including Sharmila out on the ice in the Kusinari West Coast Guard. Notice how they're all really bundled up. <sighs> this is Ryan. This is Hawaii. Notice that? All right, so that's that's kind of where I got to be where I am and, and kind of the reason why I love my job. Now, let's, let's talk about dreams, okay? You know, when I was thinking about what I was going to be, I had no idea I wanted to be a marine scientist. Um, and, and here's my daughter. She's, this is two in this picture. You can see she's kind of got a two going on. <laughs> And like any good two-year-old girl, now I hate to say this for you boys, what does a two-year-old girl want to be when she grows up? Princess. A princess. Hence Disneyland, right? Um, and I think it's important to have dreams and to recognize, of course, that those dreams, you know, will change. And I'm happy to report that now that my daughter is six, she wants to grow up to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> All right? Or at least better than a princess, in my humble opinion. Um, she also says she wants to dress hair. I'm like, okay, all right, that's good. So, um, <laughs> actually, it's a very funny story. I'm going to totally see you on this. But my daughter says, I want to dress hair. My response is, oh, that's great, honey. I said, but maybe you want to get a, a job that might make you a little bit more money. She looks at me and she says, well, okay, I'll be a scientist. But I'm going to ask no, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> it's not going to make you any money. <laughs> All right. 
Okay. The other thing, though, is just how dreams change. Sometimes they're dreams that you don't think are possible and you think are impossible. All right? Have you ever seen Martin Luther King, his famous speech, I Have a Dream? Right? This is a very powerful speech, actually. Any of you have never had the opportunity to see it, I recommend that you go on YouTube, because yes, it's on YouTube, and you listen to it. Because the whole idea that in 1963, that you could have equality among people of different color or different races, and we're moving towards people of sexual orientation, that was just a little bit out there, right? And of course, we all know, we have an African-American president. Unthinkable. Unthinkable. Now, this is not a political statement. This is just to show you that there is someone who had a dream. And if back then, if you thought that dream was possible, you would have been laughed, you laughed at it, right? And yet, things change. Okay. And the other thing that I'd like to remind you all of, I know the footage is grainy. Can you see it if you look really hard at the squid? As a scientist, you know, you really appreciate this. But the whole idea that you can grab other things. So, these ideas about dreams, having dreams, understanding dreams, and even those dreams that you thought were impossible, right, is to remember that, oh, anything's possible. The things that you think about right now that may be impossible, hey, they may be possible in the future. And that's a really important thing to remember, because you can talk yourself almost out of anything if you let yourself. Again, I would recommend this, right? Guys, 
So I thought, you know, I was trying to think, well, you know, there's me. I could tell him about my life. Showed him Martin Luther King walking on the moon. I mean, these are some, like, these might be things that you really don't connect to because, frankly, I'm probably old enough to be at least some of your mother. And, um, you know, Martin Luther King's back then walking on the moon when we do cell phones now, right? So I thought I would, so, you know, right? Things have changed. <laughs> things have changed, right? So I thought I would tell you a little bit about my graduate student. Okay, this is Emily Schiller. Well, look, she looks, actually, she's not that much older than you. You believe me? It's true, look at her. She's now a doctor. Um, Emily was my graduate student. And, uh, and I really like to tell this story about Emily because it's one of those things where she faced adversity, but it wasn't insurmountable at the time, right? It was just her th kind of thinking outside the box and thinking about ways to move forward. So Emily um, was doing research in my lab, and as part of that research, we would go out to Santa Barbara, which is in California, and we were going out every four to six months and collecting samples, and when we were out there, um, Emily would, would see sea lions. You can't go to California, anywhere off of San Francisco, Santa Barbara, without seeing a lot of sea lions. They are all over the place. And sometimes the sea lions would be happy, and sometimes they would be a little unhappy. In fact, a lot of the sea lions were looking a little ill. All right, they were dying, life wasn't good. And, and so Emily was like, oh, she, she really got interested in this. She's like, what's going on with the sea lions, right? Geochemist, by the way, Emily's, Emily's background is in geology, geochemistry. And, uh, and, and, and I pulled this article out because it was really this article. I remember Emily coming in and showing me this article and saying, look, look. There's all these sea lions, they're all behaving really weird, and it's because it's because they think of these toxic algal blooms. There are these toxic algae that are growing, and they produce this toxin called lamoic acid, and you know, I, I really think it's a problem that I want to study. And I'm like, oh my god, she wants to study biology. All right, all right, okay. You know, and uh, and so I said, okay, okay, Emily, you know, why don't let's look into it. You know, you go ahead and you know find out more about it. Um, for those of you, has, has anyone Hitchcock? Do you guys know Alfred Hitchcock? I haven't totally dated myself, right? Has anyone ever seen, have you all seen Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds? How many of you have seen The Birds? That's a bit of a freaky story, all right? For those of you who haven't seen Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, it's basically about a little town where the birds start going wacko. They start attacking people. It's like, uh, you know, scary movie, horror movie back in the day, right? Well, believe it or not, that's based on a real incident, the birds. And it's based on a small town in California where birds really did start to go a little crazy. They started attacking people. They started, like, flocking and laying in wait for people. I mean, it was a little bizarre. And what we think now is that these birds were poisoned with demonic acid. All right, these harmful algal blooms that were producing this poison. And so this is a bad thing, right? Not only do... Sea lions get weird and die, but people will eat fish that's contaminated with domoic acid or other seafood. You'll have memory loss. They'll die as well. Mammals, you know, marine mammals, like I like to call them charismatic megafauna, right? Those really, you know, whales, dolphins, they wash up on shore. They're dead. I mean, it's just a bad thing, right, this whole domoic acid thing. And so Emily starts looking at it, and I'm like, oh, God. Okay, let's start looking. And she found out that it wasn't just a big problem along California coast, but this was a problem in a whole number of areas, right? All these places had 
these harmful algal blooms that are producing this demoa gas. And so now she's starting to convince me that, okay, maybe it's something we should look at, all right? It's not just important in Santa Barbara, it's important all over these places. Here, here's actually the, the organism that produces it. It's a diatom, and that's the compound for all you chemistry nerds, because I like the compound. I don't like the compound. And uh, here's all the places that it's been it's been produced, and actually we can now find it out in the open ocean as well. So it's kind of all over the place. But one of the things that we um, were looking at is that if you looked at where does demoic acid go, and here's demoic acid, and it's produced by these diatoms, and then it can go into muscles, and then we eat them, and we get sick, or sea lions, or fish, or you know, so most people thought, okay, when you get this demoic acid production, it kind of hangs up in the upper water column. It's bad for those guys up there. You know, we don't really know what causes it. We're not exactly sure what's going on, but, but we think it's pretty much in the upper water column. But what Emily noticed was that there were some papers coming out right at the time where they were starting to see demoic acid kind of entering the food chain way down here in the bottom. They were seeing it here. They were seeing it in whales and dolphins. All these organisms that were eating well below this separation, they were eating all the way down here. And Emily was like, we gotta study that. We gotta look at that. And I was like, oh God, okay. Right? So I said, okay, Emily, you wanna do it? Let's do it, all right? Let's really do it. You go and you find out um, when there's been this really awful demoic acid event, because of course we now regulate it, we test seafood all the time for demoic acid, and when it gets above a certain level, shut down the fisheries. Right, because if you eat it, you get sick. Right, so that's the way it is. And so notice, um, so took diatoms, and we actually took a sediment trap and put it out there. All right, and uh, we started collecting, started looking for particles, because if there's organisms that are getting demoic acid way down there in the bottom of the ocean, well, demoic acid has to get down there somehow. Right, so we're like, okay, let's start looking at the particles and. She has a big sediment trap. It's really, you know what a sediment trap is? It's a big garbage can that sits on the bottom of the ocean. That's exactly, we put out a big garbage can, we put it at the bottom of the ocean, and we just collect this part. All right? And, and I said, okay, now, you know, pseudonychia, that diatom. I said, you know, I, I really don't know how to look under the microscope and tell you if it's pseudonychia or not, because I don't do the biology. But we could measure the toxin, right? We could measure the toxin. And so Emily went out, went on a cruise, we collected a bunch of sediment trap samples, right? She did this all. I was like, okay, Emily, you do it. I kept saying, she's crazy. She's not going to find anything, right? I said this as her advisor. I said, Emily, I don't want you to be disappointed. After all this work, if you look for this and you don't find anything, all right? We have a backup plan. We've got it all fixed, so don't... Don't be, but she was like, no, no, it's going to work. It's going to be great. We're going to find this stuff. Okay. Very bad. Don't be disappointed. Don't be disappointed. All right. All right. She learned how to use an LCM SMS. You know, she learned how to do all these new techniques again. I'm going, okay. Right? So she you know, wanted to show it to you because it's a little scary. If you ever want to use these by yourself, it takes, takes some guts to kind of walk into a lab and use one of these things because you think you might break it. You can't really, but it looks like you might. All right. Um, and sure enough, Emily went out. And so here's, I'm just showing you data because basically what I'm showing you, see all these peaks here, right there? This is demoic acid. See it here. See the peaks here. See the peaks here. See the peaks here. Darn it, she didn't find there's a lot.
wanted to blow a gasket in those darn seven times. I was like, no, there's not. Go run it again. Ran it again. Found it a bunch. And we started looking. She didn't just find a little bit of demonic acid. She was finding these huge values, okay? Huge amounts of demonic acid were making their way from the surface ocean down into the deep ocean. I mean, this, I mean, these traps were loaded. And when I say loaded, I mean, you know, here's some micrographs, all right? Look at that. Those are diatoms. Even I now know what they look like. Here they are. You can see them. That's where you have it when you have lots of diatoms. In here, you don't really see any. Just looks like fish food. And then here, look, right? You have way more diatoms. So, so I mean, when I say loaded, I mean, she put this on the scope, you're like, whoa, there's diatoms, right? You don't have to look. You're like, whoa, look, look, there they are. You know, it was very easy. You know, and I was like, you're right. You're right. Tons of demoic acid. Um, and, uh, you know, and she was able to actually look. And when they had a minky whale actually washed up in 2007, I know, I'm sorry, it's a dead whale. Sorry, guys, dead whale. Okay, but the cool thing was that it was killed by demoic acid. And, <laughs> and we know that this whale only always, you know, that we know that this one is a species that really, that really likes to dive deep and eat, you know, things that are below that upper area where we thought there was only demoic acid. And again, she looked again to get fish food. The whale food was whale food this time. Look at it. Look at that. That is all demoic acid, right? All lots of diatoms, huge, huge concentrations of demoic. So this was this actually turned out to be a big deal because what it suggested um, was that not only is demoic acid kind of happening up here, being produced up here in these diatoms, but then when these diatoms sink down to the deep ocean, they can still contain a lot of demoic acid and they can go right directly in to that benthic food web right down here. They can actually go and all those fish and all those whales that actually eat below the surface ocean and go down to the deep ocean actually burrow into these sediments, right? They are consuming all this demoic acid, and, and when they die and they wash up along shore, that's where it's coming from. So it's a completely different vector, it's a completely different way of how you can get demoic acid poison in the ocean, and we just didn't know, all right? Had no idea. Um, turned out to be great. This was wonderful. She got her name in the paper. She got this big article published in Nature. Do you guys know what anything an article published in Nature, what that means? Okay, it's big, right? They say, this is an article published in Nature. You go, ooh. Even if you have nothing, like black holes, you're like, ooh, right? This is Nature, right? Science. She got her name in the paper. She got interviewed by NPR. I mean, it was this big thing, right? Um, looking in, you know, Reuters, she got picked up by Reuters. She also got to do local things like the Charleston Post and Courier and the Carolina. And it was awesome. I mean, she, I mean, it was really great. And I just was like, it's your thing. She's like, come on, Claudia, you need to talk to this reporter. Like, oh, <laughs> I didn't do it. You did, right? And so, you know, it seems like a simple thing, but I want to use that example because, you know, Emily, right, is only a few years older than you guys. Right? Three years, you know, maybe four, maybe older now, but at the time when we started. And she was doing something that she was like, I think this is really cool. And even me, right? I'm like, you can do whatever you want. You can do your dream. I'm like, well, Emily, you know, that might not work. <laughs> you know, nobody else has found it. You know, don't you think they're smart? They can figure it out. I mean, what makes you think you're any smarter, right? Oh, God. <laughs> Clearly she was. Clearly she was, right? 
So I like to I like to show that, and I'll show you right now. She's been collecting sample. We've just um, collecting samples and sediment traps now. Going back, let's see. This is from 1994. How many of you guys were born in 1990? So all of you were born in 1994. Before 90s, were all of you born in the 90s? Anyone born in the 80s? <laughs> let's see. Okay. Close. <laughs> it's all right, Jay. Don't raise your hand. All right. Yeah. Right? And I want you to notice, right? She's been looking for demoic acid in these sediment traps, right? We've been looking here, we looked it over here, right? She's looking, she's looking, and she's looking, and then what happened in 2000? Do you notice anything? It's like my classrooms. Come on. It's a lecture. This is not actually how you do it, right? Nothing. Right? Hardly anything going on before 2000. All the action is past 2000. So what the heck is going on, right, with demoic acid? Well, we're still, we're still trying to figure that out, right? But we would never have even looked, never even have looked, right? Have noticed it was a big deal, right? If it wasn't for somebody just kind of saying, hey, I think this is really cool. I really want us to look at, you know, organisms. I know I've never really looked at biology before, but I think it might be really cool. Let's, let's try. All right. And so you will see then, just, I mean, I, this is a science quote, but it's probably true of a lot of things, right? You go and you try something, not exactly sure what's going on, but hey, it looks pretty cool, right? All right. Isaac, you guys know Isaac Asimov? A little bit, some of you. Okay. So, hmm? Isaac Asimov? No. <gasps> who knows Isaac Asimov? Tell her who Isaac Asimov is. He wrote the book I Robot. Will Smith? You know who Will Smith is. Oh, <laughs> That's my generation right there. That's all I got to say. Okay. Um, so, so the question is. Right? The question is, so here you guys all are. You're here, right? And, and I know that you want to know how to tame your dreams right now, because we don't have any patience, right? Right now, this second. Well, I hate to tell it to you, but you're probably not going to tame your dream right this second. But I can give you some pieces of advice that might help you a little bit along the way, all right? And I think, you know, one of the first things you have to do is, you know, is take advantage of your time here in South Carolina, especially at the University of South Carolina, right? You're only here for three to five years, depending on how things go, right? And sometimes, you know, you kind of get locked in step, and you kind of forget the big picture. And one of the things that you need to remember is that college is just not about coursework. It's not about just going to class and trying to get that grade, all right? Which is, which, let me tell you, it's an easy trap to fall into, right? Getting up, going to class, taking the test, making sure you get that A, right? Because your parents kill you if you don't, all right? But, you know, Emerson, you all know Emerson? Right? But the things taught in schools and colleges are not an education, but the means to an education. And I think that's a really important point to make. You can sit there, you can memorize everything under the sun, but the key is can you think about it? That doesn't mean that you have to actually think about everything you learn in class, but to remember to think in general, right? Both in class and outside of it. 
because it's, it's easy to kind of get trapped and to forget your eyes on the prize, forget, lose sight of why it is you're here to begin with. It's not just to get a degree because your parents want you to, right? How terrible is that? Okay. The other thing that I want um, to make sure that all of you understand is that it really is your education. It is your education. And it's really important that you take control of it. If you're taking courses that you hate, all right, if you have no desire to do anything that it is that you're learning in those courses, and you can't even you can't even explain it to yourself why you got to take this course because there's like no there's no future here, then maybe things should change, all right, and maybe you should consider that you should do what you want to do and not necessarily what your parents want you to do. If I did what my parents wanted to do, I'd be a surgeon, all right. Did I tell you I needed biology? Okay. <laughs> right? Can you imagine me as a doctor? Um, and the other thing that you need to do is get out there. Get out of your shell. Right? You have an opportunity to take classes that you may have never thought you would ever take. How many of you have taken European history or American history? You all raise your hand because you all went to high school. Right? You've all taken American or European history sometimes. Maybe the next history you class you take is um, Latin American history. History of the Middle East, gosh knows, we're over there, right? You know, expand your mind a little bit, right? Get out there. Archaeology, anthropology. How many of you guys have taken psych? Psychology, so you've had the psych class, right? There are other social sciences out there, believe it or not, right? You know, and I mean that in a nice way, right? I mean, you know, not, all right? So, so you can never cross the ocean unless you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Sometimes you've got to get yourself out of your comfort zone. Now, I'm not saying you should take, you know, as an English major, biochemistry, right? But, but you know, you could take some other courses that you might, might find a little exciting. Um, the third thing I want you guys to remember is that your faculty who teach you your courses... While you may think we are at your beck and call and have no life outside of what it is that means to you, remember we do, all right? But more importantly, remember that we are people too, all right? We are here at the University of South Carolina because we actually enjoy interacting with students. We do. We actually enjoy having you come and ask us questions. Now, don't get me wrong. There is always going to be, you know, that bad apple. It's true of any job, any life, anything that you do. But 99% of us, we're really excited, all right? You know, we do mud runs, we go with our children, we go visit Chelsea Stadium in England. Really? That's fun, huh? <laughs> right? We get good stuff in gummy suits, we do funny things, all right? So remember, we are just regular people, and, and you should come, and you should ask us questions when you can, all right? Often. As some of you already know, you do come talk to me often, all right? And, and we do love it when you can not only come talk to us, but you actually come and you're, you're motivated, you're excited. Come ask me a question about my research. I'll be happy to talk to you, right? We love talking about ourselves, right? This is the way we are. All right, so. Um, and the other thing I'll, I'll just remind you is that your parents, these are my parents, my mom and my stepdad, okay? Um, they may not understand what it is that you're doing now. They may not necessarily be happy if you've decided to change your career in college. All right? 
But it is your life. It is your life. And it's something that's very important for you to remember. It is not their life. You're the one who lives it every day. And maybe they're not exactly happy about what it is that you're doing in college. In fact, here are my parents. I love my dad, but he tells everyone I study fish food. He does. But he's also excruciatingly happy that he knows that I love my job. He's, he's ecstatic to know that, that I'm very happy where, well, he's ecstatic that I'm not at home living with him, number one, right? But number two, you know, he's very happy to know that I actually have a job that I look forward to going to every day, all right? And for him, that's all he's ever wanted. He, the reason why he wanted me to be a vascular surgeon is because he thinks he has the best job in the world. He does. And he was like, you should be a vascular surgeon too. I know you'll love it. Right? But, but you know, he never was one if it was best for me. Right? But I do. I have, I do have, you know, the best job in the world. And even though some of you tell me it was the worst time, it's not true. I've got pictures to prove it. It's not for me, not No. Yes, it is. 2010, I was in. Oh, 2009. 2009. I was my, because we were on the field trip next week. 2009. I'm sorry. It was my mistype. She did <laughs> All right. And, and remember when I said I wanted to grow up to be a professional soccer player? I got to show this because I think it's so cool. Remember how I said that way back when? Guess who's coming to Columbia? South Carolina is starting a W League. We get a new W League team that's coming, right? Semi-professional. They asked me to come out and play. <laughs> they did. I'm not even kidding. And if I pass the fitness test with those damn kids who are half my age, <laughs> I'm going to play. <laughs> it may kill me, but I'm going to do it. You should see us after we work out. We work out, and they're all like, hey, let's go. And I'm like, hey, and I got the ice bag here, the ice bag here. I'm like, we're great. Yeah, it's good. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> if I make it, which I think I will. So. All right, so that's it. That's all I have for you. I thought I would open it up if you have questions for me, ideas. I know it's a little short, but I thought we could talk a little, maybe. A little, kind of. A little. No, you're all looking at me like crazy. Really? You're not going to ask me anything? I know. All right. Why did you um, because at the time when I was doing it, uh, the teams that they had out there, they weren't really a lot of professional teams. It was women's national team, and I wasn't good enough to make the national team. I could make qualifiers, but I wasn't going to play. And they just didn't have the leagues that they have now over in Europe. Right? If Europe had the professional leagues that they had now, I would have been there. I totally would have been there. That year off that I was a bum, I actually would have been like, you know, trying to play soccer. So at the time, it just, you know, I was a little too early. You know, so, yeah. That answer Come on, all right. You talk about different, but the way you play different levels of dreams. Yeah. Are your dreams of like soccer and being a famous artist and everything? What kind of those relate to you having family and things? So, so I think it's very important that um, you have family, just so both of you know. I'm a tenured professor. I'm a full professor here. I had both my children before I had tenure here as a scientist. It's always, you know, when I was pregnant, you know, right after I had my, I played soccer my entire life. I still play soccer clearly now. And so 
Um, my kids, since they could barely walk, were always on the side of the soccer field. And so for them, they really enjoy it. Uh, they go out, they love watching me play, and it's because we've always done it together. At the same time, they really enjoy what I do um, professionally because, you know, I bring home cool things. I bring home toys, you know. And so they really like the idea. Not that actually that either of them wants to be a marine scientist, let's be clear. I don't think either of them do, <laughs> which is fine, you know, but um, uh, it's always worked out. I've always made family very important to me, so there are times when I've not gone to sea. There are times when I've not um, given keynote talks at big meetings because I thought it was more important for me to be home and watch my, you know, son's soccer game or my, you know, my daughter's recital. And those are things that I, you know, I've decided to do because that was important. So, um, so the dreams are, are interrelated, right? Sometimes one dream has to be given up so you can have the other dream, which is to have a very happy, you know, good family life. So sometimes you have to cut back on some other things. But I think that, you know, that's what balance is for. That's how you, you know, if all I did was play soccer, frankly, wouldn't I be a boring person? I would think I'd be a boring person if all I did was play soccer. Right? All I can tell you is Chelsea statistics, you guys feel like right? <laughs> So it's good to be normal. Mm -hmm. All right. That was Dr. Claudia Benitez Nelson speaking as part of the U of SC Last Lecture series. If you liked what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and check out our other Last Lectures. If you want more information about this series and other events and opportunities from Scholars United, check out our social media at Scholars United on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Updates about upcoming Last Lectures will be posted there. Also, be sure to check out National Fellowships and Scholar Programs at sc.edu/nfsp. Thank you so much for listening. Now go live today like it's your last.